Welcome back to Beyond Strength and Endurance Coach Education. I'm Kyle Holman, the head coach of Beyond Strength and Endurance. Today we're going to talk about the art of coaching. This is something that is extremely important when you develop as a coach. You can have the science and the knowledge and and all those things of how to effectively coach people through uh, technical aspects of each lift and putting programming together and all those things. And then that's important. You know, you need to know the the why and and how to put things together and, and how to effectively coach and, and improve people. But there's also the art of coaching. It's making adjustments on the fly, knowing how to you know, talk to your athletes and get the best out of each and every person that you have the privilege of working with. So we're going to dive into some different aspects of the art of coaching and how to really take what you do uh, to the next level. Confidence is everything. When you coach your athletes and you are telling them things, obviously, first and foremost, if you're not confident in what you're saying and that comes off in your delivery or, or things like that, then they sure are not going to be confident in what you're telling them to do. But it, it reminds me of a, a movie quickly, U571, Matthew McConaughey, uh, captain of the submarine, I think gets killed. And now he's in charge. And uh, it's a dire situation. Everyone's looking at him to make a decision. And in the midst of his whole crew, he says, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, later he's talking to his second in command and that guy reminds him that, look, you're the captain and the captain always knows what to do, whether he does or not. So it, it, it reminds me of, you know, growing up, I was fortunate to have my dad who's been a coach for a very long time. And I remember being at a track meet and he had this kid that a uh, very good high jumper. Um, I believe he had high jumped six, eight and they're in a meet and they're at a, uh, early on in the, in the competition with this and, I believe the bar is at 6'4", something that should be very easily cleared for this kid. And he misses his first two attempts. So now he's only got one more attempt. And if he misses, he's out of the competition. And he comes over to my dad, and you could tell he was very distraught and, and didn't know what to do and um, looking at my dad. And so my dad just very calmly looked at him and said, look, you take that tape line where your starting point is, move it back a couple inches, no problem. Kid goes out, moves it back, very easily clears the bar. So I, you know, being a young coach, wanted to know what, what happened there. So I asked my dad, like, what, what did that, you know, what did moving the tape line back, what did that do for him? And he said, nothing, but he thought it did. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that confident delivery. Sometimes you need to know what it is that your athlete needs to hear. In that situation, this kid needed a very confident solution and a very calm one that, hey, you know, no big deal. We just need to do this and correct it. That is the art of coaching in the moment. He knew exactly what that kid needed and and gave that to him. And so sometimes it's not always a technical aspect that you need to correct. This is where you are getting to know your athletes better and better the more you coach with them. And we're going to talk about some more things in this of how you do that. But knowing in the situation what that athlete needs to hear in order for them to be successful. So in that situation, this kid just needed something delivered to him that it's a done deal. If you do this, you got it. Um, and hey, you know, I know you might try that early on and, and, and it's not always going to work um, just immediately like that. But the biggest thing to understand is that you are the captain and you need to do your due diligence to get to know your athlete, educate yourself on, on how to effectively make people better so that you can be confident. But ultimately, they're looking at you for an answer. I mean, that's what they come to you for. You're the coach. You're the captain. Um, if they knew it, they would they would do it on their own, right? So um, 
as you improve and get better and know each athlete, a lot of times it's not about what you say, it's how you say it and being confident in that response that this is what we need to do and let's get to it and fix it and everything will go well from there. Read the room. Once again, this is another thing of knowing when to make adjustments on the fly or even deviate from what you're doing in your training plan. Uh, Sometimes we might have program that we're just working on, let's say technique, and we're not going for a heavy lift uh, yet. But man, if you see that they just really have it dialed in on that day, weights are flying up. There's not a problem with making that adjustment that, you know, hey, we're going to keep piling weight on the bar because it's there today. Other times you might have program that you're going to go for a max and you can see that whether it's mentally or physically, it's just not going well as you start to build up. So you might deviate to then, you know, honing in on some technical inefficiency that you need to correct. And that's, that's what's best for that day. And a lot of times as a coach, that's the biggest thing is, is how can we get the best out of each and every athlete in this session today and ultimately, you put enough days of those together, and that equals you know a lot of good things over time. And once again, it reminds me of a story. I was helping my dad uh, coach track one year. He put me in charge of shot put and discus uh, just because of the strength background. I hadn't really coached uh, that at all, but uh, you know did my part to to really learn and how to get better at that. And had a kid, a monster kid. I mean, he was a high school kid, but my gosh, he was six five, two seventy five, and just a big kid, but a big teddy bear. Uh, his problem was he just had trouble flipping the switch, so to speak. And anytime we're lifting heavy weights and, and then especially in, you know, something like this shot put in discus, we're, we got to get some adrenaline. We got to be able to, to get it ready to, to pop a big throw or, or lift a big weight. So uh, that was his biggest issue. And once again, that comes from knowing your athletes. Um, so with this kid, we were in practice uh, doing something called range throwing. It, it'd basically be like if we were lifting weights, doing percentages. So we're not maxing out. We're actually going at lower percentages to uh, work on technique. And so we're doing range throwing, and, and he was stuck at 49 feet. I mean, just couldn't break the 50 mark, um, even though he had the capability to. But it was, you know, as I mentioned, he just couldn't flip that switch, couldn't get that adrenaline going uh, to take it to that level. So we're doing range throwing, just slowly building up. And um, he gets, you know, his normal routine going with the shot put. He has it above his head, and he's spinning it in his hand before he brings it down. Well, right before he brings it down, uh, the shot put actually slips out of his hand and hits him in the back of the head. Um, of course, I made sure he was okay uh, first, but I, I went to him and I said, you know, are you okay? He said, yeah. And I said, did that hurt? And he said, well, hell yeah, it did. I said, okay, well, are you, are you pissed off? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, we'll get in the ring and throw it as far as you can. So he gets in the ring and bang, pops a 51-footer. Um that was an adjustment that I made on the fly. I mean, that I knew that in that moment, you know, he was fine. I don't um, suggest blunt force trauma to, to help your athletes get better. Uh, but, you know, he was fine uh, from, from the shot put hitting him. And now he had some anger. And so I knew that adrenaline was there. So, hey, let's get in the ring and go. And boom, uh, he broke that barrier that he, he had been struggling with. And, and honestly, for the rest of that season, he never threw under 50 feet. Uh, so that's just another example of knowing when to make adjustments. Um, you know, we all definitely want to plan to what we're doing when we coach and program for our athletes. Um, but sometimes you got to deviate from that and getting to know your athletes and what they need and and when it's there and when it's not there, those things are all very important, uh, in their overall development. Speak their motivation language. 
Um, some of you probably immediately thought about the uh, five love languages, um, which, you know, there is a little bit of a carryover here to that. So with this and, and speaking their motivation language, you know, I'll use track and field as an example here just because it's kind of an easy thing to understand. But on the track, a lot of times you're going to find two individuals uh, in, when we're in running, running or sprinting, sprinting races. Uh, some of them are very motivated by the time. So that's all they're concerned about is their splits on each lap and, and beating their time. Um, so it's all based off that. Others could give a shit less about the time or even if they PR that day, they're, they're basically asking, who do I need to beat? Who's in this race with me? Uh, they don't care what they run. They're just tell, asking, who do I have to beat? And they will do whatever they need to do to beat that individual. Um, so how does that carry over to the weight room? you're going to have individuals that are motivated by different things. For some people, that is the weight on the bar exactly and their times and workouts and those uh, kind of number-based or objective things that way is what's really going to motivate them. So speaking to that person about that, about the weights they're hitting or the times and their workouts. Other people, it's it's just who who do I have to beat? Um, you know, we have friendly competition in, in group settings and, and that's great, but a lot of times, you know, the biggest competition is is yourself, um, how to compete against yourself in those workouts. So knowing those different motivation languages, you know, for example, the, the person who's very motivated by numbers, if I'm talking about, you know, somebody else in this competition, like, well, you know, this person would be a good person to go after that. That's not going to motivate them. Because at the end of the day, sometimes even if they beat that person, but they didn't PR, then that wasn't motivating for them. And, and vice versa, if I tell somebody, hey, let's try to hit this time or this weight, and they do that, but they didn't beat who they needed to beat, then that's not motivating for them. So that's just a basic example, but really it's getting to know what motivates each and every person you're working with so that you can use those things, you know, in an essence to motivate them. A lot of times we think of um, what we're motivated by and we try to coach everybody that way, but that's kind of the love language thing. If if I really, you know, like receiving gifts, so I think the best way for me to show love to somebody is just buy them gifts. But if that's not a motivation for them or, or their love language, so to speak, then they might not see it that way. So know each of your athletes and know what specifically motivates them so you can use that to get the best out of them in each session. Light bulbs or brick walls. This is a little bit similar of speaking their motivation language, but now it is more looking at how people best receive communication. So you can think about this a lot of areas in life of how you personally receive communication. It could be, you know, when someone is coaching you in, in the gym or it could be, you know, at your job with your boss. Once again, it's natural to speak to people how you best receive um, communication. So um, you got to know the difference. Like some people like it just straightforward, no fluff. Just tell me exactly what needs to be done. And I don't need any positive affirmations or anything. I just need you to tell me whatever, what I need to correct or what I did wrong and, and how we fix it. Um, other people kind of need that positive, negative, positive sandwich, if you will. So, you know, Hey, you're, you're doing a great job with this part of it. If we fix this portion of the lift, then that will help you utilize what you're already doing well for a better lift. So that's kind of an example of that sandwich. Other people, it's just, look, you know, we missed the launch point on that lift. We need to make sure we get the bar back to um, a good transition from the knee to launch and go. 
So it's that straightforward approach or knowing if we need to, you know, kind of give them some positive affirmation in the midst of our constructive criticism. Uh, so once again, knowing those things, if you communicate effectively and know how each person best receives communication, then when you do that, that's when the light bulb is going to go off and they're going to fix it. But if you go the other way and you are now, you know, someone who needs positive affirmations, you're not giving them any, you're just straight telling them the things they did wrong and what they need to fix it. You're going to get a brick wall that comes up um, either because they're frustrated or they feel like you're just on them or whatever, because you're not giving those positive affirmations. So once again, getting to know your athletes so you can understand how they best receive communication is going to help them improve uh, at the best rate. See people. I've talked about this in other ones, but it's just something that is worth reiterating that you need to know what person you are looking at. And obviously, yes, if you're coaching someone, you're, you're looking at them, but do you see more than just the person in front of you that you're trying to improve this lift? Do you know if they're a mother or father, son or daughter? Do they work from home? Do they have a high stress job? Are they having a tough day, a good day? Um, anything like that. I mean, you have to see people as human beings as, as we all are and as you are, that you have good days, you have bad days, uh, things like that. If you truly understand those things about people, A, it helps you develop you know, a much better coach-athlete uh, relationship because um, it's all about developing trust. Not only that the things you're telling them are getting them better, but, you know, the more those things that you, you understand and know about their life, then, you know, that's going to develop trust too. I mean, you know that if some people are coming in after working a very, let's say, um, physically active job, then you know that coming in, there's going to be a little bit more fatigue. You know, is the class in the morning, they're just waking up. Is it in the afternoon after the workday? Knowing those things will all just help you understand how to most effectively communicate to people, how to get the best out of them, and knowing kind of what headspace they're in, so to speak, uh, within each day. I mean, this is the essence of the art of coaching that we've talked about a lot. It is knowing these things of how to make adjustments when you need to, how to most effectively communicate with people, how to most effectively uh, motivate them, uh, when to deviate, when to not deviate, things like that. So. These are all ways to improve that art of coaching for yourself. Uh, so once again, it's all about you know, helping each and every athlete that you have the privilege of working with and getting the best out of them in each and every session.